Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Danielson. What's up, guys? And Anna. Good morning, everyone. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you would like to help us out, then there is a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. Today, we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is Theories Thursday, in which we each cover our favorite conspiracy of the week, which we discuss music mind control, the meowing nuns, and a cult you never heard of before, and a whole lot more in that episode. Also, we have several more episodes already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as Disney Darkness, Isaac Cappy, McMartin's Satanic Preschool, Clinton Body Count, FEMA, and much more which you get access to all of it just for five bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the shop button. Then you can see all the merch we have for sale. T-shirts, hats, all that good stuff. I just wanted to say that the money we get from Patreon and merchandise sales goes to bettering the show. Also, I know things are tough out there, right, Meow? So if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a ton. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, underground space lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. Also, on our site, you can click the voicemail button and leave us a voicemail anonymously with your phone, and we will play it at the end of the show each week. So, today's episode is Ruby Ridge. How this episode will go today is that we will first cover what is Ruby Ridge, then go into the backstory of the family, the land dispute, the lead-up to the event, the standoff itself, the aftermath, strange facts and findings, and then, of course, wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Ruby Ridge was an 11-day standoff that happened on August 21st of 1992 in the state of Idaho. It involved the FBI, the ATF, and other government officials who killed multiple members of the Weaver family who lived in a cabin there. So to understand this story, we have to start at the beginning. We have to start with Randy Weaver. Randy Weaver grew up in a small town in southwestern Iowa. He graduated high school in 1966. In October 1968, at age 20, 
Randy joined the United States Army. In the Army, Randy underwent Special Forces training and eventually became a Green Beret. In 1970, while still in the military, Randy met a woman named Vicki Jordison, and they began dating. In October of 1971, after three years in the Army, Randy received an honorable discharge from the Army. One month later, Randy and Vicki were married. The newly wedded couple moved to Cedar Falls, Iowa, where Randy intended to enroll at the University of Northern Iowa and pursue career in law enforcement. But that never happened. Instead, Randy landed a fairly well-paying job at a John Deere tractor factory. For the next several years, Randy and Vicki lived a normal, happy life. Then in 1976, the couple had their first child, Sarah. In 1978 is when things started to change. It all began with a book. Vicki read a book titled The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. This book was an interpretation of the prophecies of the Old Testament to the events of what was happening at that time. The book concluded saying that they were now in the end time, that a nuclear holocaust and Armageddon were just around the corner, but the good news was that Jesus would return to earth. Violence and pestilence soon would fall upon the planet, and Christians persecuted in a terrible time called the Great Tribulation. Soon after reading this book, Vicki began to have reoccurring dreams of living on a mountaintop and believed that the apocalypse was imminent. This caused Vicki to pour over messages from her King James Bible, drawing lessons ranging from what to eat to how to prepare for the end time. Randy and Vicki began discussing moving to the mountains and living off the land, homeschooling their children and not having to rely on anything modern like television or electricity. One day, while reading her Bible, Vicki came across the passage from Matthew 24, which was, Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. This passage reinforced her vision of their future. In late 1978, Vicki gave birth to their son, Samuel. The weavers then began selling their belongings and learning to live without electricity. In 1983, the couple left Iowa for good and headed to the mountains of Idaho. There, they found a rocky bluff that was, according to Vicki, just what the Lord showed them their new home would look like. They paid $7,500 for 15 acres and began making plans for a rough cabin. Along with Vicky's dreams and visions, Randy also had his reasons for wanting to live off the grid and move out. So here's a quick 30-second clip of Randy Weaver explaining the reason on why they moved to the mountains. Uh, we wanted to kind of get out of the regular system and wanted to find a place where we could teach the kids at home, uh, get them out of the city and out of the public school system. Like government schools, what I call them. And, you know, kids in the city grow up with basketballs and bicycles, and kids in the mountains or out in the country grow up with dogs and guns. It isn't about hunting or target shooting. It's for protection against a government that can become tyrannical. So that's what Randy said uh, was the reason why they moved to the mountains, which, I mean, it's not crazy crazy. People do that. They want to get away from the government. They want to live off the grid, you know? And this area yeah. was like-minded people, right? Technically, some people say he was uh, a white supremacist or not isolationist. Or What's the word you said? 
Separatist or whatever? Yes, separatist, yeah. And so he just, yeah, wanted to get away, but some people mix up people who are trying to be separatist and people who are white supremacist. Yeah, and there's a whole thing that I kind of get into on my theory about all this, about the whole white supremacist thing. I guess we'll get into that here in a little bit, but let's continue on. Because it's interesting what you said. People try to get away from others and uh, want to be near the people who live in isolation, which kind of didn't work out fairly well for the Weavers. Because uh, you think they wouldn't have any neighbors. Well, they did. And this kind of transitions us into the Weavers' first encounter with the FBI. So in 1984, a year after living in their new home, Randy was having trouble with his neighbor. His neighbor, who was Terry Kennison, had a dispute over a $3,000 land deal with Randy Weaver. Terry took Randy to court and lost the lawsuit that he filed. Not only did he lose the lawsuit that he filed against Randy, but the judge ordered Terry to pay Randy an additional 2100 for court costs and damages. Now, why do we mention this? Well, this is what initially got Randy on the FBI's radar. So Terry was, he was pretty angry that he had lost the lawsuit and he had to pay the court costs to Randy. So what did Terry do? Well, he decided to write letters to the FBI, Secret Service, and the county sheriff. He said in these letters that Randy Weaver was telling him that he was going to kill the Pope, the president, and the governor of Idaho. Not only that, but Terry also told them that Randy was a member of the Aryan Nations and that he had a large weapons cache at his residence. So because of Terry's false claims, in January of 1985, the FBI and Secret Service began investigating these allegations. On February 12th, two FBI agents, two Secret Service agents, and the county sheriff and his, his chief investigator interviewed Randy and Vicki Weaver. During the interview, the FBI tried to tell Randy that he was a part of the Aryan Nations. Randy got pissed and told him that he wasn't. The FBI then told Randy that during their month-long investigation into him, they noticed that he hung out a few times with an individual named Frank Kumnick, who was known to associate with members of the Aryan Nation. So basically, the FBI was saying, your friend, well, he hangs out with some racist people, and since you hang out with him, then you must be part of that group. Yeah, which was, it was pretty dumb. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyways. This only pissed off Randy even more. Randy told the investigators that neither him nor Frank was a member of the Aryan Nations. The interview ended there. No charges were filed. So with Vicky having her visions and dreams, their already dislike for the government, and now the FBI basically not believing them and thinking they are white supremacists, it made Randy and Vicky kind of worried about what would happen to them and their family. I mean, which... They're already suspicious, right? They're already wanting to be away from the government. And now you have them not believing in what you're saying. It just kind of reinforced their beliefs of what was to come. Yeah, they were not wrong. No. I mean, you think about it. He was in the army, got out of the army, got married. Then they wanted to move away from everything. He knew something. Maybe he knew something. So on February 28th, 1985, 
16 days after their interview with the FBI, Randy and Vicky filed an affidavit with the county courthouse alleging that their personal enemies, Terry, Terry, was plotting to provoke the FBI into attacking and killing their entire family. Randy and Vicky then sent a letter to then-president Ronald Reagan claiming that their enemies, Terry, Terry. <laughs> claiming that their enemies, Terry, may have sent him a threatening letter under a forged signature. Yeah, he was basically saying, look, President, my enemies, Terry, he's over here sending you fake letters from me, which... I mean, I, I was reading in the court documents that no letters was actually sent to Ronald Reagan, but there was letters sent to uh, the FBI and stuff uh, saying that he was going to kill the Pope and Pope and all that stuff. So just random knowledge nugget. No, no, this is a lot of information, but all of this comes together and plays a role in what is about to happen. So keep all of this in mind. So now let's hop back to Randy's friend. Frank Kubnick. So in July of 1986, Frank invited Randy to a meeting, which, not surprisingly, was a meeting of the World Aryan Congress. But initially, Randy didn't know it was that type of meeting. And of course, it was his first time there at any Aryan meetings. So the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, also known as the ATF, had placed confidential informants in this meeting. And uh, these confidential informants were supposed to get vital information about the Aryan Brotherhood since they were so prominent in this area. And the ATF told these confidential informants to specifically target Frank Kumnick into becoming a confidential informant as well. So one of the ATF confidential informants portrayed himself as a weapon dealer and introduced himself to Frank, which in turn, Frank introduced him to Randy at this meeting and Randy exchanged information with this weapons dealer. So from 1986 to 1989, Randy and this confidential informant for the ATF met several times. They actually became pretty good friends and went shooting quite a bit but never went to another Aryan Brotherhood meeting. In October 1989, the informant had asked Randy if he could get him a minigun. Randy laughed and said no. The informant then asked him if he could get him two sawed-off shotguns. Randy had two regular shotguns next to him and said, Yeah, sure. He sawed off the barrels, which shortened the shotgun and then sold them to the informant. One month later, in November of 1989, an FBI informant went to Randy Weaver and told him that his friend that he had sold the shotguns to was actually an ATF informant. Randy, of course, quit talking to that friend. So it was another undercover FBI informant snitching on the ATF informant. It made no sense. I don't know why he did it, but he did it. Maybe because they were trying to pin him as someone of the Aryan nation. And when he went to the one meeting and realized what it was, and was like, no, no, this ain't me. And then they're like, well, shit, we already are pinning him for something. The guy was like, I'm going to look out for him because he's innocent in this. Yeah, maybe. Around a half a year later in June of 1990, an ATF agent met with Randy Weaver. He told Randy that the ATF was investigating the Aryan nation and wanted Randy to act as an informant for his investigation. Randy told him, too, 
and I quote, fuck off. The ATF agent then attempted to use the two sawed-off shotgun charges as leverage to get Randy to become an informant. Randy told him, and I quote, fuck off. When Randy refused to become a snitch, the ATF filed the gun charges and also made false claims that Randy was a bank robber with criminal convictions, but at the time, Randy had no criminal record. And weren't the sawed-off shotguns like only an eighth of an inch short? Yeah, it wasn't even like that much. They're saying it was like the, the width of the saw blade short of being... I mean, illegal is still illegal, I get that, but they're getting real dramatic about this. He won't work with us. I think somebody got really their ego hurt and uh, wanted to really pin something on them. And you'll see how far this goes. It gets even deeper. Mm-hmm. So because Randy refused to become a snitch, the ATF was going to arrest him. Initially, they were going to go on to Randy's property and arrest him, but they decided against it. Instead, two ATF agents posed as broken down motorists. Randy stopped to help them, and they said, hey, we're ATF uh, agents, you're arrested. What a dick move on their part. Totally a dick move. So Randy was told the charges against him and uh, posted bail. He was told that his trial would begin on February 19th, 1991. Before the trial date, the judge in the case notified the attorney, Everett Hoffmeister, that he would be serving as Randy's attorney. That same day, Randy's probation officer contacted Randy and told him that he would be mailing him some paperwork about his case. On February 7th, the probation officer sent Randy a letter about his case. This letter indicated that Randy's trial date was now set for March 20th. Of course, this was an error, but Randy didn't know that at the time. So then, Randy didn't show up for court on February 20th, and the judge issued a warrant for Randy's failure to appear. So the probation officer realized that he messed up pretty badly. He contacted the judge's clerk and informed them that he had sent a letter to Randy that had the incorrect date on it. The judge refused to withdraw the warrant. So the probation officer then decided to contact the U.S. Marshal Service and the attorney that was assigned to Randy and inform them about this error. The U.S. Marshals did agree to put off executing the warrant until after March 20th to see if Randy would show up to court on that day. However, the U.S. Attorney's Office didn't wait until March 20th and called a grand jury on March 14th Then the attorney's office didn't provide the grand jury the information that the probation officer sent the letter with the wrong date. So the grand jury issued an indictment for Randy's failure to appear. Sounds like a lack of communication on their part or someone going after him. Sounds like both of it. Yeah. They couldn't have just waited seven more days to see if he showed up for court. Yeah. So because of this, this further enforced Randy's belief that there was a conspiracy against him. Randy believed that he would not receive a fair trial if he were to appear in court. The U.S. Marshals were then tasked with arresting Randy Weaver. From March 5th to October 11th, 1991, the U.S. Marshals got third parties to negotiate with Randy and tell him to surrender peacefully, but he refused to leave his cabin. On October 12th, 1991, Assistant U.S. Attorney Ron Howen directed that all negotiations cease. This was when the U.S. Marshals began preparing plans to capture Randy. On March 28, 1992, Operation Northern Exposure started. 
Surveillance teams and cameras were set up all around Weaver's residence to record the activity of the family. So from April to August of 1992, Operation Northern Exposure was suspended uh, for three months due to a confirmation hearings for the United States Marshals Service Director. But shortly after that confirmation hearing is when the things really started to heat up. Now, this is the beginning of the event that pretty much shook the United States at that time. On August 21st, 1992, six U.S. Marshals were sent to scout the area around Randy's house to determine suitable places away from the cabin to ambush and arrest him. The Marshals were all dressed up in military camouflage. They were equipped with night vision goggles and were all carrying M16 rifles. The six marshals were split into two teams of three. One was a reconnaissance team, while the other was the observation post team on the ridge north of the cabin. While surveying the area, one of the reconnaissance team members threw two rocks at the weaver's cabin. This was to test the reaction of the dogs that they had there. <laughs> Oh, you think they could have came up with something different to test the reactions of the dogs, but okay. Dog whistle. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Oh, man. This action provoked the family dog, and he went into the woods. The family friend, Kevin Harris, who was staying with the family at the time, and the Weaver's 14-year-old son, Samuel, emerged from the cabin and followed their dog to investigate. As they were following the dog, both Harris and Sam said to each other that they were hoping that the dog had noticed the game animal and was chasing it because they had been out of meat for a little while. The recon team saw the dog coming their direction and retreated into the woods about 500 yards west of the cabin, out of its sight. They then set up hidden defensive positions. Sammy Weaver and Kevin Harris continued to follow their dog on foot through the woods, unaware that they were heading towards hidden U.S. Marshals. Randy Weaver was also on foot, walking towards that direction, but took a separate logging trail through the woods. Randy's wife, Vicky, his other three kids, Sarah, Rachel, and baby Elisheba, remained at the cabin. Randy continued to walk through the woods and was the first to encounter the marshals who were hidden. Right after Randy saw the marshals, his dog, son, and his friend Kevin emerged from the woods. About a minute later, a firefight erupted. Now... What happened in the woods uh, during the firefight differs from the U.S. Marshals and from Randy Weaver's tell. But what we know for sure is that the Weaver's dog was shot and killed and 14-year-old Sammy was shot in the back and killed. Now, we're going to tell you two different versions of the story. The first one we'll go over is the U.S. Marshals version and then we'll go over Randy and Kevin Harris's version. Both of these were pulled from court documents. So we'll start off with the U.S. Marshals. The U.S. Marshals said that as soon as the dog, Kevin Harris and Sammy Weaver emerged from the woods, that Kevin Harris turned to one of the U.S. Marshals and fatally shot him. The account then continues with the dog attacking the U.S. Marshals and they having to shoot it, which in turn makes Sammy shoot twice at them, missing both times. Then the U.S. Marshals fire two three-shot bursts at Kevin Harris, 
who, and I quote, fell like a sack of potatoes. The U.S. Marshals then said that they saw Sammy run away. That's the U.S. Marshals court document of their encounter. Wow. They didn't even mention the dog. Striker. How dare they? Yeah, the dog's name is Striker. Yeah. So now we're going to go over Randy and Kevin Harris's version. So Harris said that the dog followed him and Sammy in the woods. That they encountered the U.S. Marshals, who were in a defensive position. Harrison said that the dog ran up to one of the U.S. Marshals and danced around him as he did in playing with children. The dog then ran to a different U.S. Marshal in a playing fashion and that the Marshal shot and killed the dog in front of Sammy. Sammy then yelled, you shot my dog, you son of a bitch. Fired a shot at the U.S. Marshal that missed. The U.S. Marshal then returned fire, hitting Sammy in the arm. Which in turn made Kevin return fire, hitting that U.S. Marshal in the chest and killing him. At that time, Sammy retreated and tried to run back towards the cabin, in which the U.S. Marshal fired again and shot Sammy in the back and fell near Kevin Harris. Harris then says he heard the U.S. Marshals announce that they were U.S. Marshals, but he paid no attention to it, as he checked on Sammy's body, saw that he was dead, and ran to the Weaver's cabin alongside Randy. So, which one do y'all think is more correct? U.S. Marshals are Randy and Kevin Harris's. Just your own personal opinion. I would definitely say Randy and Kevin. And, you know, I heard another version, too, that the U.S. Marshals said they shot the dog because it was about to give up their location. And it's like, excuse me, you're going to shoot your gun, which is going to give off your location. That's one of the main problems with this Ruby Ridge is that there is a lot of different stories about what happened. You guys will find out that if you look this up, the stories are going to differ. But we went and poured through court documents and poured through interviews that Randy gave himself and tried to find the most accurate details of the story. Because we'll go uh, in the theory section about how the media kind of was painting Randy in a certain way to help out the government. But that's just later on. But I just want to kind of give that disclaimer that if you start looking this up, just like Anna said, there's multiple different versions. And we just tried to pull the ones that we knew that were for court documents and what came from Randy's mouth. Yeah, I honestly believe Kevin's side of it for sure. You know, reading the court documents, the way Kevin described the U.S. Marshals, like I said, they didn't announce they were U.S. Marshals. They were all dressed in camouflage. And what Kevin said was he saw them in camouflage and he thought the guy had a big beard. But what he was wearing was actually a camouflage face mask. So guys that were there dressed in camouflage, you know, just standing there at the fucking road, you know, and he just thought they were just normal hunters because that's what they do up there. They live off the land. So he didn't think anything of it. You know, then right after that, they shot the dog. Which enraged the 14-year-old Sammy because that's his dog. Yep. So, yeah, so those are the two versions of what happened. Uh, I'll let you, the listener, kind of decide whichever one you think is correct. Uh, But we're going to continue on with the story uh, because it just gets worse. So after the firefight, the U.S. Marshals went to the neighbor's house. Fucking Terry. Fucking Terry. uh, And phoned for help. While they were occupied, 
Randy and Vicky ran back into the woods and retrieved Sammy's body and placed it in a guest cabin near their main cabin they were staying in. So in the aftermath of the firefight, the U.S. Marshals requested support from the Idaho law enforcement and alerted the FBI that a marshal had been killed. The Idaho governor, Cecil Andrus, declared a state of emergency. Now, him declaring the state of emergency allowed the use of the Idaho National Guard Armory. This allowed the Idaho State Police to get access to armored personal carriers. So pretty much like tanks, but without the, uh, what is that? Gun on top? What do you call that, Dan? Yeah. Turret, gun. Yeah, without Why are you that going to top. a man asking about military stuff? Sorry, I know that Dan, like his dad was a... Yeah, he was a tanker. He was a tanker, so he rode in tanks. So that's why I initially went... Not because he was a man, just because his dad because I was, stuff. Um, I look like a Vic Kong, so of course he's going to ask me about army stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the trees here, and I'm, not in, I'm in no tank. <laughs> All right, so this allowed them to get access to those APCs, those armored carriers, just for... A family in a cabin. Seems a little extreme. And a cabin that they built with their own hands out of like plywood. Like it it wasn't like a super sturdy cabin that, I mean, they could have taken a tank right over it, no problem. And they had like 400 fucking people out there too. Oh yeah. There was a ton of friggin' government officials, FBI, all them out there. Tons. Yeah. They were like all decked out too. It was like a mini war. And remember, this was all for not showing up to court. That's what all, <laughs> yeah, like, at the it. end of the day, like, he, and, and not even his fault. The fact that it was a court error and all this is happening from a clerical error. And it just gets worse. It does. So on Saturday, August 22nd, special rules of engagement were drafted and approved by the FBI and the Marshal Service for use on Ruby Ridge. These special rules of engagement were the following. If any adult in the area around the cabin is observed with a weapon after the surrender announcement had been made, deadly force could and should be used to neutralize the individual. If any adult male is observed with a weapon prior to the announcement, deadly force can and should be employed if the shot could be taken without endangering any children. If compromised by any dog, the dog can be taken out. Any subjects other than Randy Weaver, Vicki Weaver, and Kevin Harris presenting threat of death or grievous bodily harm FBI rules of deadly force apply. Deadly force can be utilized to prevent the death or grievous bodily injury to oneself or that of another. That was the document presented in court as the special rules of engagement. This was specifically, of course, drafted up by the FBI to use on Randy Weaver. But in court, some of the FBI snipers were told, here's the rules of engagement, but you shoot to kill anybody, no matter who. So it's just something to keep in, keep in mind. So that same day that the special rules of engagement were established, the U.S. Marshals, Idaho State Police, FBI, and ATF were on the scene. Hans was not there this time. He was not, sadly. So as they were waiting for the negotiators to arrive, the FBI decided to deploy sniper teams around the cabin as a precaution. Shortly after the snipers were deployed, Randy decided to make a run towards the guest cabin to visit the body of his dead son, Sammy. 200 yards north, above the Weaver's cabin, FBI sniper Lon Horici saw Randy 
his 16-year-old daughter Sarah, and Kevin Harris making his run towards that guest cabin. As Randy was lifting the latch on the guest cabin door, Harichi shot Randy in the back. The bullet exited his right armpit. Just real quick, Lon, the sniper, did say that he had his sights set on Randy's spine and then moved it to the left at the last second. I don't know if he's trying to paint himself as a better person as to what happens next, but just something I thought I'd add. Hmm. So then Randy, Sarah, and Kevin then started to run back towards the main cabin. Vicky heard the shots and decided to open the door to that main cabin to let Randy, Sarah, and Kevin in really quickly. As Vicky stood there holding their 10-month-old baby, Elisheba, Sarah, Randy, and Kevin ran inside. As soon as they were inside the cabin, the FBI sniper, Lon Haruchi, fired a second bullet. The bullet went through Vicky's head, killing her instantly as she held on to her baby. The bullet then hit Harris in the chest, wounding him. How messed up is that? As she was standing there, holding the door open, he shot. Baby in hand. Now, get this. She was standing behind the door, so there was glass, the glass window pane in front of her, then Kevin. So he shot through the glass. How do you not see her then? Yeah, it was a headshot. Randy said she was shot right here. It went in right here and then out right here and blew her up like a potato or a tomato and then hit Harris. Sarah said in an interview that she was still on the floor crawling in and looked up and saw it happen to her mother and saw her mother like fell down on the ground right in front of her head pretty much blown off. And they thought the baby had gotten shot because it would cover it in blood, but it was just Vicky's blood from getting shot. Uh. Yeah. That's horrible. Yep. So Harris was so badly injured that he actually begged Randy to put him out of his misery, but Randy refused to. Over the next 11 days, officials attempted to negotiate with Randy via a bullhorn, but he never responded. 11 days. Yeah, 11 days. 11, 11 days. days with Vicky sitting there. With her head blown yeah. off. Could this get fucked up even more? Yes, it could. This whole thing's fucked up. So so eventually Randy surrendered. Both Harris and Weaver were arrested, but of course Harris was flown to the hospital, was in serious condition, but survived. Randy's daughters were released to the custody of relatives, but there was some consideration in charging Sarah, who was 16 at the time, as an adult, but that never happened. How messed up would that would have been? Huh? That would have been really fucked up. So Randy Weaver and Kevin Harris were charged with a variety of charges, but it was very clear that most of the wrongdoing was on the government agencies. Kevin Harris was eventually acquitted of all charges and would be later awarded a $380,000 settlement. Randy Weaver was acquitted of all charges except the missing of his original court date. He was fined $10,000 and spent 21 months in prison. Randy later filed a wrongful death suit against the government for the death of his child and wife. He eventually accepted an out-of-court settlement for $100,000 for himself and $1 million for each of his three daughters. The Weaver family, including Randy, later moved to Montana where Sarah and the other two Weaver daughters are employed. After becoming a born-again Christian, Sarah Weaver said in 2012 that she had forgiven the federal agents who killed her mother and brother. And that is Ruby Ridge. 
Now, there's more because we're about to get into strange facts and findings. And the shit gets even crazier when you start digging into the strange facts and findings. So the first one we'll go over is the sniper, Lon. So he was charged, but then was acquitted. Fun fact, he was also the sniper who drove one of the tanks at the Waco siege. Yeah, if you don't know about the Waco siege, we have an episode coming up very soon that has connections with Ruby Ridge. The Waco siege does so many connections with this, but it's just as messed up. Mm-hmm. So listen to this. They did an autopsy on the dog, and it showed that Stryker was facing the opposite direction of those marshals when they shot at him. So he was running away. Just like Sammy. Yes. It's messed up. So the autopsy did go into more detail. thought it was a little gruesome, but, you know, it showed that the bullet did enter the rear end of the dog, went through it, and came out of, I think, its ear. And I think it's like uh, where, where they live, they actually do autopsies and stuff on animals that are killed in situations like that to figure out why. So they did actually do a full autopsy on the dog, Striker. Damn. Kind of fucked up. But yeah, so someone said that Weaver had shortened the shotguns to where it was legal, but someone else had sanded it down just enough to even it out to where it became illegal. This could make sense for them. It seemed like the FBI, ATF, all of them wanted to set Randy up because he wouldn't work with them and be an informant for, the, uh, for them into the Aryan Brotherhood. It all seems like a setup. Well, and then the overdramatic attack after one of the marshals are shot and killed. They are reacting off of emotion instead of logic. I mean, to get 400 agents out there for this, call it a state of emergency, all because a guy didn't show up for a fucking court date. Yeah, and this next fun fact, fun fact, this next strange fact and finding just kind of adds to what you're saying. So in an interview that Sarah Weaver did years later, she said that she heard those artillery vehicles driving around in the woods uh, while they were staying inside their cabin for those 11 days, that after the firefight and them surrendering, she uh, found out that the artillery vehicles went out of their way into the woods to run over their dead dog. Here's another thing that's just as messed up is that Sarah and Randy wrote their own book about what happened. And one of the things that they both said was that after their mother was shot, that every morning the officials would get on a loudspeaker and say to them, how was Vicky this morning? Did she make you breakfast? We had pancakes. Basically taunting them about their dead mother. Mm-hmm. That is so messed up. They did. They even would do that with Sammy, too. I can't remember what it was about, like, playing games or... Oh, yeah, I can't remember. But, yeah, they totally brought him into it knowing good and damn well he was dead. Yeah, they, they pretend like they didn't know he was dead until after... They finally got uh, Randy and Kevin to surrender, but they already knew. Yeah, so they admitted to doing that over the loudspeaker, but they, yeah, you're right, Daniel. They did say, oh, we didn't know Vicky or Sammy were dead. We didn't know that. In the firefight, we never shot them, and then ballistics report proved that they, they shot Sammy in the back. But, of course, none of them were charged because under the law, they were allowed to shoot and kill, and none of them were be charged because they were under that order. 
but the media played a big role in kind of siding with the government and making them look like the good guys, the ATF and FBI. So the media portrayed Randy as a basically white supremacist and that it was okay that the ATF and the FBI had all these armored artillery vehicles because they had a big cache of weapons and that they're religious fanatics and nuts and they're shooting at anybody who they can shoot at. And another thing that the media said that kind of like made Randy and his family into these nutcases was the helicopter incident. So Geraldo Rivera, of course, had his own TV show at the time, kind of like a a journalist or like a his own like news thing. Before the firefight, Geraldo flew over that area with his helicopter. And the U.S. Marshal Service headquarters received media reports from Geraldo Rivera that Randy and the Weaver family had fired rounds at the helicopter. So that day in Idaho, a U.S. Marshal team was installing those surveillance cameras overlooking the Weaver property at the time of this flyover, right? So this was like before they went on that three-month break Mm -hmm. and then came back. So they were installing those cameras, and the field report for that day, uh, filed by one of the U.S. Marshals, reported seeing a helicopter near the Weaver property but not hearing any shots fired. Weaver then heard about the media reports of saying that he was shooting at the helicopter, uh, the media helicopters, and then granted an interview with a newspaper reporter in which he and a family present that day denied firing on the helicopter. The uh, helicopter pilot eventually gave the FBI basically like a witness account saying that, uh, no, the Weaver never fired on my helicopter. So Weaver saying he never did it. The FBI helicopter pilot that was flying around the media said he never got shot on. But the media, it almost seemed like they were trying to instigate a more heavier reaction from the FBI to get better footage, to get better ratings. So. The media reports that Weaver had fired on the helicopter became a part of the justification later cited by the marshals and the FBI in drawing up the Ruby Ridge rules of engagement in spite of the denials of the shots. So the media is the, one of the ones to blame for this as the whole thing so they could get better video shots and it be escalated. They wanted it to happen so they could get more eyes on the news. Yeah, it's messed up. They should have been charged. The media for lying. Oh, if they did that, so many would be charged right now. Truth be told, Danielson. Oh man. Yeah. So that's that's the strange facts and findings. I guess y'all want to move into theories. I mean, there's not many theories for this. I mean, I did read one part where supposedly the FBI they actually targeted Vicky because they thought that she was the reason why. They were holed up in the house, in the cabin. If she was gone out of the picture, they would surrender. And that's why she was actually shot. Yeah, there was another thing that I read that the media was showing on the, there was like a road that led into the Weaver property that showed all these white supremacists with swastikas and white power signs on the side of the road. But they personally didn't know Randy Weaver. They were just there to support 
the white power movement or some shit like that, which made me think if he went to one meeting and never went to one after that, did the media or the FBI purposely send these people there to help out their image to say, hey, yeah, we shot them only because he's a white supremacist, you know, and these people were basically plants. Crisis actors. Yeah, could be. Well, they want to paint him like a bad guy, so publicly executing him, the public is rooting for that, because they're like, he's bad, he did bad things, oh, he hurt our people. That was the vibe I got from it. Let's paint this guy as this horrible person, so we don't have to feel bad about killing his son, his wife. Yeah. He was badly shot, right? Like, he got an infection? Kevin did. Kevin, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, his shit was starting to, like, uh rot and stink who was it that came in and was like you need to stop this he needs medical help i think it was the neighbor not terry not terry no it was a different terry probably would have gone in there and assassinated all of them yeah he probably would have i want to insert the reno 911 terry on (laughs) dates i was thinking of uh carol baskin and joe exotic relationship there oh gosh yeah, I mean, it, we're going to definitely cross some lines when we talk about Waco. Yeah. And how similar things are. So I think you're going to see that this is a repeating problem. And uh, some of us may have some personal stories from Waco. So just keep that in mind. So anybody else got anything they want to add? Oh, so I read this one article that actually, it kind of enraged me a little bit that the person writing this article actually tried to make Lon Haruchi as awesome as a sniper as Chris Kyle. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. I read this. He was talking about how it's tragically unfair the way he's being treated and then how everyone treated Chris Kyle. And I'm just like, if you read, like compare him and all that, like Chris Kyle said that he did shoot a woman. He had to, to save the other soldiers and come to find out this other woman, this woman that he shot, actually had a live grenade on her, and after he shot her, she blew up. But Lon shot a woman holding a baby. So I'm pretty positive there's a big difference. Yeah, she had no weapon on her. She was in her own property. Yeah, and if he did such a good thing, why did his ass go into hiding after that? Then he came out for the Waco, and then where'd he go then? Back into hiding. It's like, why are you having to hide? Right. But yeah, like it actually made me mad. And he titles it Lon Haruchi, American Sniper. Like why he shot an innocent woman who was holding her baby. And supposedly, so Chris Kyle was a Navy SEAL. Lon Haruchi was an infantry officer and graduated of West Point and became a sniper with the FBI and a member of its hostage rescue team. What fucking hostage were they rescuing? (laughs) There's a website, the FBI Hall of Shame. (laughs) He's a part of the FBI Hall of Shame. (laughs) Damn right he is. Uh, oh, I gotta see that. The federal government leaped to Haruchi's defense because he was obeying an order. But the Nuremberg prosecutions have established I was just following orders is no excuse for killing innocent people. Wow. God, some of this shit is like, they were told if you see anyone from about 16 to 65 and they're male, shoot them. Kill every male you see. That wasn't the official language, but that was the idea. Yeah. See, there's one other thing I saw. Oh, more about Lon Haruchi. So after those original charges were dropped, 
they were actually going to go back after him again. But there was a new elected official in that county or whatever. And he was already saying that he had no desire to pursue it. So as soon as he got into office, I think his name was like Brett Benson. He got elected and pretty much he just dropped the whole thing. He just like, uh, I guess, dismissed it. Hmm. Sounds like a planted politician. Yeah, that was like one of his uh his things. So he was saying like, you know, I'll get elected. I'm going to totally drop it. And he got elected. And that's exactly what he did. That's frustrating. Yeah. Yep. Definitely sounds like uh, something sketchy. Even more sketchy. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of concludes the episode, don't you say? Yeah. All right. So that's the end of today's episode. Now we're going to roll into voicemails. Uh, just a side note. I know in previous episodes we do on the scene. Uh, but we don't have an on-the-scene report this week from Hans. He's busy getting on-the-scene interviews. And if you're not familiar with on-the-scene, it is where Hans, our on-the-streets interviewer, uh, goes out and interviews random individuals on the street and gets their opinion on current happenings in the world. But it's not happening this week, uh, so we're just going to go straight into voicemails. A little disclaimer real quick. We have gotten more than eight voicemails this week. And we only play eight per week. So if we don't play yours this week, we will play it next week. All right. So the first voicemail this week comes from Ash. And we'll play that right now. Hey, Anna, Aaron, and Danielson. This is Ash. I wanted to reach out and give you guys my love and support as always. This is quickly becoming my favorite podcast of all time. And if you're listening right now and you're not part of the Patreon please get on board because it is so worth it. All of the theories and thoughts that you guys bring and waking up people to the crazy shit that's happening in the world is incredible. I love the research that you all do. You put so much time and effort and energy into everything that you do. And if you haven't joined Patreon, you're missing out also on the private Discord server where I have found an entire family of like-minded, crazy, fun, sexy individuals. It is the best time. It's worth it. Get on board. Start your Patreon membership today. Hop on Discord and say hello. And as always, much love to Anna, Aaron, and Danielson for everything that you do. Nice. Very nice. Thank you so much, Ash. It's very nice of you. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ash. Like you said, much love. Yes, Ash, thank you. You know, you've been a hardcore supporter for a while now, and we appreciate the love. And um, you're also really active in Discord, which is so cool. It makes me happy to see it functioning as the family unit that we were hoping for. I don't know if you guys know this, but Ash has just rolled out her own podcast. It's called Burton-esque, where she goes over the paranormal. And she's a really good storyteller and really paints a picture for you. So make sure you hop over there, give her some love, hook her up with a review, let her know how she's doing. You know, spreading the love to you, Ash. Good luck to you, and thanks again for the voicemail. We love you. Yes. Yes, much love. All right, this next voicemail, I would consider it our first hater voicemail. Uh, so. Woo woo. It is from Stan Lee, and we'll play that right now. So I'm, I'm here to tell you that you're all wrong about 
the aliens. They actually are a butterfly species that live amongst us here. I got some recordings over here. Oh, let me let me just Okay, here we go. I'm play it for you. <laughs> oh shit. Oh fuck. That's my head tie. Okay, hold up. Oh, here it is, here it is. Wait for it, wait for it. This is it. It's coming up, it's coming up. Well, that's the noises of the aliens. So I'm telling you there that you're wrong. They're living amongst us underneath our ground, and it's the butterfly. They're using the butterfly effect to live amongst us. See, President Obama let them live here. I'm getting it all wrong. I can't say too much, though, because the, the, the FBI is going to track me down and take away everything I got. So I'm telling you, you're all wrong. You're all just a bunch of shit retards. And I'm the smartest one out of all you should. Yeah, I should run my own podcast. So like, listen to this. You're all wrong. And start taking notes from me. So, yeah. But uh, also, if you want to hit me up on World of Warcraft, uh, my gamer tag, muscular bad 2064 69. So, you know, you're all wrong. It's a game. And that's it. Was he trying to be Heath Ledger? It sounded like it. The dude was breathing heavily into his microphone. It made me pretty uncomfortable. Almost sounded like he was getting ready to hyperventilate. You know, he reminded me for a second there of the guy who wrote in, like, warning us. You know, because he was like, I can't stay for, I can't talk about this right now. And that for some reason, that line made me think of, like, you're in danger. You, you know, I can't tell you everything right now, but I... I don't remember what the dude said the last time, but... Well, I hope he's safe with how much information he did give us, that no one came after him. He said something about butterflies being underground. Underground, using the butterfly effect. Couldn't follow you there, Stanley. but good luck in your World of Warcraft adventures. Good luck in everything that you do. Anyways, uh, all right, I guess moving on to the next voicemail. So the next voicemail is from Romy, and we'll play that right now. Okay, I'm going to keep it real short and simple. It's Romy again calling from last week. First and foremost, not an attorney, sorry guys, an account manager for a certain tech giant with a fruit as their logo. You guys will figure out who I'm talking about. Second thing, Ned, you, Ned, Dan, you remind me of Ned from the Spider-Man movies. I don't know that's, if that's what you look like, but you definitely remind me of that. Uh, third of all, thank you guys for the compliment on my verbal communication skills. I really appreciate that. Fourth, Anna, you're doing amazing. Keep it up. Fifth, you guys are absolutely gorgeous. I saw the pictures online. Anna, you are one sexy girl. Um, that came off creepy. You're all sexy. Fifth, sixth, sixth of all. Um, as a person that was raised Hindu, I'd love for you guys to look into this, but there's this huge thing recently that Hinduism itself, which is a very cool way of life. I mean, we can smoke weed and have sex whenever we want is related to aliens a lot. Uh, if you look at the history of what Hinduism is all about, and I encourage you guys to do so with your research and all that, you guys will be blown away by the connection between that particular religion and what's in space. Um, so check it out if you guys can. I appreciate the compliment again. Sorry, Aaron. Sorry, Anna. Not an attorney, but still have some pretty good verbal communication skills and whatnot. And uh, and Dan, I don't know, man. You really remind me of Ned. So uh, just keep that in mind. I love the content. Keep it coming. Pizzagate was awesome. Can't wait for next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. He's just so articulate. I love it. He is. I love his... Yeah. He's direct with the message. You know, I mean, Ned and you, Dan... Phew, 
that's pretty close. The personality is pretty close. Yeah. I'm not going to lie about that. He needs some facial hair and some glasses. Yeah. Yeah, but the personality is definitely there. I, I see that. Ned needs some facial hair, glasses, and maybe he needs to have, like, more muscle. A lot more muscle. Yeah. I don't know. He might be taller than me. <laughs> I think he is. Who knows? But thank you, Romy. Yeah, thank you again for calling in. We appreciate you. Yes, definitely appreciate it. And we love you. Much love. We do love you. All right, so this next voicemail is from Tanya. And we're going to play that right now. Hey, guys, this is Tanya again. I just got done listening to this week's episodes, um, Pizzagate and Disney Darkness. Um, Absolutely amazing. I'm actually really glad you covered Pizzagate because I have to admit I didn't really know much about it. I am absolutely um, appalled by the things that I'm learning on all fronts, and it kind of makes me think our world is going to shit, but I'm certainly glad to be learning about these things because we do need to be informed and we need to know what to look out for. Um, Thank you for putting so much time and effort into these episodes. You guys do such an amazing job, and I know that um, a lot of us feel that way. I um, also want to encourage anybody who's not on Patreon to do it. You will not regret it. I actually upped my pledge because I have, this has actually turned into my favorite podcast out of all, and I listen to podcasts all day long because um my job as a housekeeper, I can um, have my earbuds on and clean all day. So, um, yeah, it's great. I love listening to you guys, and you guys uh, are just um, awesome. I'm also loving our um, family in Discord. So if you're not a part of it, you really should. You won't regret it. <laughs> love you all. Bye. Nice. Thank you, Tanya, for the kind words, for the love. We love you so much, and thank you for upping your pledge. Not necessary, but we really do appreciate it. Helps us out a lot. Yeah, we appreciate you so much, Tanya. I'm really looking forward to getting back into the swing of things with Discord now that I've moved in and everything, and getting back into getting to know you guys more, and... I mean, that Discord has been popping. It's, it is awesome to see. So, Tanya, another thing we have in common besides being so sexy is that I also clean houses for a living. So I get you on that. It's hard work what you and I do. So you go, girl, for getting it done. So keep on keeping on. All right, all right, all right. Very nice. I think my closet just got a bit hotter in here. I'm starting to sweat. Talking to Tanya gets me every time. Yes, thank thank you for the voicemail, and thank you for being such one of the active users on our Discord. So much love. Much love. We love you. All right, this next voicemail is from Kay, and we're going to play that right now. My name is Michaela. Um, so hi. <laughs> I wanted to say thank y'all. Like, I love y'all. Y'all are amazing. So thank y'all for bringing, like, amazing weekly content. 
Um, I've been binging the whole podcast, and I'm probably going to re-listen to every episode in a different state of mind, if that makes sense. Like, if you catch me drift. Uh, I like to also draw when I'm in a different state of mind based on what the podcast, like, what the theory kind of is, and I'm kind of meshing that into one big drawing because I really like to draw. Like, I've spoken to y'all on Instagram before. I'm the mushroom drawing girl. <laughs> um, but uh, I also want to give a shout-out to Honor. Uh, I really like her vibes. I really resonate with it. I really like a lot of the things that she talks about. Like, I constantly wonder about life in general. Um, I really like biology and horticulture and botany and just kind of learning like where we came from and where we'll be and like how we adapt and things like that and like the whole meaning of life um so I resonate with her heart really like her but um Aaron and Daniel you're amazing I love y'all love the podcast keep it going keep it going Bigfoot 2020 nice yeah, uh, we spoke a little bit on Instagram, me and her, and uh, I think she used to be a tattoo artist. So I creeped on her images a little bit, and she actually does really good work. So I'd be very interested to see what she came up with in an altered state of mind drawing while listening to our episodes. Yes, you know, you should definitely share that. For one, if you're in the Discord, um, do we have an art subcategory? No. We don't. We can make one. We should do that. We will. We'll, we'll make an art subcategory where you guys can throw in your Bigfoot drawings, you know, suggestions, like whatever you want. Just maybe you, yeah, you you get in an altered state of mind and you create something. Share it because we all want to be a part of that. That would be so cool to see. I'm going to have to go creep on our Instagram now and go see what's up. Yeah. Definitely appreciate the voicemail. Now I'm going to have to go creep so I can see what these drawings look like. Aaron's over there hiding shit from us now. You know how many messages I get on Instagram? It's unreal. Excuses, excuses. Yep. I think I went on there a couple times, though. I hear that people like to hear me say naked. I like how you say it. How, how do y'all say it? Naked? Naked. Not naked. It's more like horse. Naked. Kid. Yeah. Ah, uh, my way is easier. Naked. He was butt-naked running through the woods with his willy slapping his legs. With a semi-boner. Michaela, I want to say thank you very much for that. I think one of the best compliments you can get in life is someone complimenting your vibe or your energy. Because that is what I'm trying to project in the world. And the fact that you you feel that, that hits me in a, in a good spot in my soul. Because that tells me you can you see me for who I am just through a voice you know in your headphones right now and if I'm portraying the energy that I'm pushing out into the world then that makes me so happy so thank you so much um you're amazing I appreciate your vibe just from calling in so um I'll go on Instagram I'll find you and creep on your ass and then I'll I'll check out your drawings because I appreciate that I paint but I don't I can't draw and so we'll we'll start that tab and then you get up on on, on that discord and uh, show us your work. Nice. Boom. All right. The next voicemail is from Majestic, and we're going to play that one right now. This is the Majestic. Stop talking about all of us pedal liberties. We don't like it. 
I was speaking with Hanks, with an X, about this last night. Yes, Hanks does listen. And we have decided that we have had enough. If you continue your egregious, systematic violence against the crew, we will silence your podcast. We will cash you outside. How about that? Bigfoot is in our sights now as well. We feel his presidency would threaten our existence. Stop the Bigfoot 2020 slogan immediately. We are extremely wealthy. We are extremely mean. We are extremely sneaky. In the words of the immortal Tupac, he is alive and one of us. You better back the fuck up before you get smacked the fuck up. Take our words to heart. Fear the pedo liberties. Hashtag Baphomet 2020. Hashtag Breaking Kneecaps. Hashtag This is Satire. I love that. I admit, the first time I listened to that, within the first 20 seconds, I was like, oh, shh. And then I laughed because of his Tupac comment. I was like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that was funny. I love it. Love you, Thank Majestic. you for that laugh, Majestic. Bigfoot 2020, though. He's coming, but you can't see him. Oh, he's always coming. But thank you again, Majestic. Love you. Yes, much love. Love you, sir. All right, this next voicemail is from Nickalicious. Oh, oh man. Personally, my most favorite one so far. So we're going to be playing that right now. So, babies, it's, it's Nicolicious, and uh, I'm hearing some, some, some things coming around. Thought this time I might capture it on the podcast, but I'm hearing some noises. Shh, shh, hear that? What the fuck's that? Oh, it's a ghost. Ooh. Ooh, he's so hum. Mm, hum more like a bullfrog, baby. Ooh, Ooh baby. Oh, come over here and show Nicolicious a good time. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, baby. Come here. I'm going to show you a good time. Ah, uh, babies, I'll be back on the next voicemail. I'll send you my experience with this ghost. I'm about to go get me some ghostly Casper cock in a minute, baby. Mmm, bye-bye. Nick, oh my god. It is. I wonder each week how Nick Alicia's voicemails can get better and better, and they just keep... I mean... Bravo. I'm really interested to hear how the ghostly uh, encounter, how it how it was. So I love you, Nick. Thank you for that. I swore that was going to be a scene from Finding Nemo. Where are you going? (laughs) Fucking whale calls like, (laughs) God damn, Nicolicious. I'm glad your ass is alive. We missed that voice. Yeah, I thought it was a whale first. I'm thinking. Oh, shit. Is he fucking swimming with Nessie? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. That's a hole I don't think will shrink back to, no. <laughs> to size. Well, hopefully you have a good time, Nick. Yeah. Thank you for the voicemail. We love you, and we hope to hear back from you soon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
So this last voicemail for this week comes from Elizabeth, and we're going to play that right now. Hey guys, it's Elizabeth again. Um, I just listened to the previous, uh, the Pizzagate. I haven't listened to the full episode yet, but I have a little guilty um, uh, secret to let out that I actually jumped forward to my voicemail because I'm so anxious for you guys' thoughts on it, and it always leaves me wanting to tell you more. Um, so, I don't know, maybe this might become more of a regular thing, who knows. Um, I wanted to say about the spirit pass, another way that it can be explained is they say that um, ghosts go through walls and different things like that, like you've heard that probably a billion times, is what it is is that when they were originally alive, that wall was not there. So that's why they go through the walls. It's not because they're actually going through the walls, it's because they're on the original floor plan or layout of that property. Um, also, I, this room that it happened in the sage that happened, um, in that room, it is a weird room. (laughs) It gets colder than the rest of the, um, place we live. It, it has temperature, it has hot and cold spots throughout it. It's not that big of a room. Um, it's probably about the average size of a bathroom, maybe a little bit bigger. And it, yeah, it gets hot and cold spots. It has something in that that one corner it's really weird it's in the corner part of our um place we live uh i generally am not scared i've had a long time to think about all this i've been dealing with spirits since pretty much since i can remember to be honest i have vivid vivid memories of my um previous life my most recent previous life um And I will talk about that on another episode, but I'm not really scared of it because it's something I've always known. Um, And so there was, I've never experienced bad, bad um, spirits. I generally have good, healthy, lighting people around me. Um, I have dealt with in another property I lived on um I dealt with uh shadow people it was where an old school was um they're not very pleasant (laughs) and I'm not fully versed in them but I just I'm glad I'm gone away from them um but yeah I've had full apparitions in front of me I've had partial affirmations I've had videos I have pictures I have everything um So I'm very well-versed. The only bad one I've ever seen was this young man. I was waiting downstairs in an apartment that we lived in. And I was waiting for Dale to come because he was driving around the um, park, uh, pulling around the car because it was in the middle of winter. And this young man walked in front of, like I was inside in the breezeway. And he walked from one side of the bush to the other where the clearing is. And he was drowned and black and gray. And um, he was just in a sweater and pants. And he was sopping wet. And, I mean, obviously he was dead. So that was obviously a drowning. That's the most terrifying one I've ever experienced. Um, Generally, the spirits I meet, completely friendly, completely happy. No problems, whatever. Um, I've had some creepy ones but not scary that's the scariest one I've ever experienced personally um one other thing that kind of made me think about of this um room that I'm referring to I was actually sitting there one day and there's this big window that is over the back part of the property 
um, where the chief would have been, whatever. But um, as I was daydreaming out the window, all of, all of a sudden I see these two giants walk by. I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> they were actually like three stories tall. And two of them just walked by. And I believe in be- bleed-throughs. Um, I believe in like the Middle Earth, quote-unquote. But not like in the way that maybe our Tolkien actually talked about it. <laughs> or whatever her name is, Tolkien. Um, from Lord of the Rings talked about it, but, um, in that sense, I do believe in, like, a Middle Earth, um, and so we get bleed-throughs, obviously, (laughs) and, um, I had two giants walk by my window, so I thought that would be uh, an interesting story for this week, um, like I said, I have millions more, and I wanted to just reassure Aaron that I do not experience negative energies, for the most part, that room was an exception, like I said, that room's kind of weird on its own. It's got hot and cold spots. So, (laughs) but yes, thank you so much. I very much appreciate. I was crying when I was listening to your guys' feedback. It made me feel so um, accepted and loved and validated. And I know that I was put on this earth for a reason. And part of my reason is my God-given talent of um, being a wordsmith. And so I will be writing my story out hopefully everybody will read it one day maybe not that's okay but the people that matter will hear it and these are just the light-hearted parts of my life (laughs) my life has been interesting (laughs) and the fact that I'm still here and the fact that I'm not on drugs is interesting (laughs) but it's because I know my higher purpose in life is to tell my story so this is just one way of letting people know of a little more heart light-hearted side and I feel like it's at least some my appropriate way to get the my some of my stories out. Hope you guys don't mind. Polly, leave another one if you're okay with it. Love you guys. Bye. I just wanted to add that I do believe no matter where I live or where I go, I believe that I'm going to be followed. So um, although I do agree that I need to get off this particular property because it is precursed, um, without me having anything to do with it, to an extent, I know it's always going to be with me. So I also accepted that. (laughs) Love you guys. We love you, Elizabeth, and we love you, Dale. I just want you to know that, and I appreciate you sharing your stories and your your details, and yeah, you're always accepted here. You're always loved here, just like Dale loves you. We love you too, and we're proud of you. Thank you for sharing your stories. I really like the Giants one. It must have been crazy. Is there a way that you could possibly describe the giants to us in more detail or maybe even sketch up a drawing of the giants? I'd love to see uh, or hear about what they look like. But yeah, leave another voicemail. Love hearing from you. Yeah, your stories are always mind-blowing. I can't believe you've had so... I mean, I can believe. Like, it's amazing how many experiences you've had. Um, It definitely shows how open your energy is to uh, the to be a communicator for these other realms and whatnot. So that's, it's really cool. And what an honor to have that ability. We love you, Elizabeth. Dale, you one sexy man. Uh-oh. Ooh. Uh-oh. Ooh. Yes, thank you for the voicemail. We love hearing your stories. You are accepted here. Oh, yeah. So we definitely look forward to hearing more from you, Elizabeth and Dale. Definitely. I love talking to y'all on uh, Discord. Oh, yeah. But thank you again, Elizabeth. 
Love you. Can't wait to hear back from you. Oh, and don't you fast forward it. Go on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Never mind. All right. So those are the voicemails for this week. Uh, if you left one and we didn't get to you, we'll play it next week. All right. Now we're going to roll on to ratings and reviews. The first review we have this week is from C underscore 13. It was left on June 24th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads love. They go on to say, such a good podcast. My favorite thing to listen to while I'm at work. I actually like listening to the reviews, emails, and voicemails and shout outs after the show. But my favorite thing is hearing that another topic is added to the already long list of topics to cover. Also, Patreon is so worth it. The show is perfect, and the new host is a great addition. Black heart emoji. Thank you, S. Renee. We love you. Thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the love. We're sending that good energy right back to you. Boom. Thank you so much. We love you. Yes, much love. So this one is from K.A. Warrior, left on June 24th, titled Love Anna. Five stars. Y'all are great. Anna is a sweet little Croatian Kiflise of an addition to the crew. You three have great chemistry, love the humor, the topics, the flow, and I really appreciate all the research and preparation that goes into creating an episode. Not completely sold on the Montauk chair segments, but seems like you're having fun. Smiley face. Would love, love, love to hear more episodes about the shenanigans of Hollywood and the political elite, deep state, etc. Love the pod. Keep on rocking. Peace sign. Well, I hope you enjoyed the last month of podcast because we laid it in there. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. So thank you so much for the five stars and the love. I appreciate it. I'll be a little sweet roll any day. I'll take that. Boom. Ooh. Thank you, Kyle Warrior. I love you and I'm proud of you. Yes. Thank you very much for the review and five stars. So our next review is from Captain Jive, left on 624 from the U.S. Title, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, with five stars. I'm loving the podcast. I found it a while back, but never took the chance to listen. So I started and got hooked. I've been going back, skipping around, and listening to previous episodes. I listened today to the one where Anna called and left like five voicemails. So I thought that was really cool. Again, I'm loving the show, and keep doing what you're doing, and we'll get Bigfoot in office. Bigfoot 2020. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Hell yeah. Fucking Bigfoot 2020. Gotta love it. Thank you, Captain Jive. I love you. And I'm proud of you. And yes, thank you, Captain Jive. I think he was the first one to officially say that he recognized me from the voicemails. So shouting you out for that. Appreciate you. Hope you're still enjoying every episode. Love you, man. Nice. All right. This next voicemail is from Fresh Hell Fan, left on June 25th from Great Britain. It's five stars with the title of, title of A Theory of the Third Kind Fan. They go on to say, Yippee, it's Friday and time to listen to my favorite podcast. Series one was good. Love the introduction. It always made me giggle. Series two is equally as good. Theories range from plausible to outrageous. Who cares? It's all fun. Anna is a real gem and is an asset to the team. I really like the fact that there is no political or religious angle to this podcast. Kind regards, Jillian, Gillian, Jillian, however you pronounce your name from the UK. Uh, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. I love you. Thank you for the five stars. And you're a great individual and much love to you overseas. Sending it. 
I'm sending all the energy over there to you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Love you. All right. So this next one comes in from Duke Nukem 21. June 25th is when it was left, titled, Oh, yeah. Five stars. So episode 54, Hemisync, again proves these individuals take criticism and listeners' points of view into account. Anna, not sure how to spell her name, I apologize. You did it right. Good job. Goes deep, son. I love it. One of my favorites so far, to be honest. Again, with the deep researching, and I have great appreciation for all the hard work and research you guys put into this. Thank you. Yours truly and forever, a Skull Viking hater. Nice. So I'm talking about. Me too. Awesome. I'm so glad you loved that episode. It is still, I'd say, like my favorite one. And it comes up in my life a lot more often after I've learned about it. So appreciate the love. You're awesome. Who's your team? I want to know. Reach out. Hopefully it's a stealer. Go Buccaneers. Fire the cannons. I don't really watch football. Unless it's a Super Bowl or playoffs. But I'll support whatever team you want me to because I love you. And I thank you for the review. And I thank you for the love. And I'm sending it right back to you. Boom. Yeah. Much love. Much love. Our, our next review is from Marieve, left on 625 from Canada, titled, Damn, I love this podcast with five stars. Hi, guys. Marieve from Montreal, Quebec here. I love, love, love this podcast. Even your se- seven seconds time machine sound, Aaron. Winky face. Always been a fan of true crime, UFO, and conspiracy theories podcasts, so yeah. My boyfriend is a little tired of seeing me with my earbuds on, but hey, I got to entertain myself while I wait for my boss to tell me to get back to work. Anyway, I recommend this to anyone who likes to laugh and make your brain and creativity work a little bit. Smiley face. Bye. Oh, I don't know what the hell that says. Luches Paz. Is that French? Yeah, he's a French Canadian. Don't give up. You do a real damn good job. Sorry if I botched that, but it's been since high school since I took French. French. Oh, she she fucking translated it. I was about to translate it. She's good about that. <laughs> Je t'aime. I appreciate you. I love our conversations. She's the one that did the paint by numbers. Uh, that I sent you that cat. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was so good. Thank you for the review, and I wish I could have said that in French. Yeah, thank you for the love. Thank you for loving my seven seconds of a time machine. I love that. And you know what else I love even more? You sticking it to the freaking man while at work. You leave those earbuds in. If he comes by and tells you, hey, take those earbuds out, what are you doing? You tell him, hey, hand him a piece of paper that says, I have permission to wear my earbuds at work, signed Aaron from Theories of the Third Kind. And then if he has a problem with it, you can give him my email address, tell him to send me an email, and I'll straighten his ass out real quick. I love you. Leave Boom. a voicemail. Would love to hear the accent. Yes. I love you. Okay. This next voicemail is from Mac Max Zeta, left on June 26th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads, Best Conspiracy Podcast on Earth. They go on to say, I started listening to this podcast a month ago, and it is great to listen to at my job. Hell yeah. I, myself, have been familiar with conspiracies, and I enjoy your guys' knowledge and the chill vibe. I would one day love to be a part of a conspiracy podcast, as I've been following Dr. Greer for some time now, before I heard him becoming more popular. Anyways, thank you for your inspiration, humor, and the illuminated insight. Keep up the great work, guys. 
you know what, Max? Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for sticking it to the man while listening to this at work. I want you to do something right now. I want you to keep listening to it, okay? I love you. I'm proud of you. Thank you for the five stars, Max. Appreciate you. I love the earth in quotations. You're awesome. Much love, my friend. Yes, thank you for the review and five stars. You know, I hope we can keep pleasuring your ear holes while you're at work. Yeah. So we're, we're going on to Mari Ben, 14. Left us five stars on June 27th titled, Love It! Hooked from the first episode. Thanks for making my commute to work much easier. Love you guys. Well, we love you too, Mari Ben. Mari Bean. Mari Ben Ben Bean Bean. Chicka chicka. <laughs> yeah, we love you and we're proud of you. <laughs> and thank you for listening to us and for the five stars. Not only listen to it on your commute to work, but if it's safe and you're not doing anything that doesn't put any others in danger and yourself in danger, listen to it while you're at work, too. If you need a permission slip, just let me know. Shoot me an email. Send you a permission slip. It's for your mental health, so it's positive. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get out of work early, just, you know, DM one of us your number and we'll make a prank call. Oh, yeah. We'll get you out of work early, too. We'll start doing that. We'll call your boss. Give us his number. Oh, yeah. John has been sick for the last two days. Yeah. We, we live next door to him. He's been coughing up. Oh, man. You don't want to hear it. I think it. he caught the COVID. Yeah, we got, him, we got him in a bubble right now. He's not doing too good. So our next one is TCS with, probably said it wrong, left on 627 from the U.S., titled, Yeah, with five stars. Awesome podcast. Keeps me coming back for more. Thanks, you guys, for the content. Keep up the good work. Short and sweet. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you for the love. Thank you for the energy. We're sending it right back to you. We love you. All right, so the last review for this week comes from 216Bev, left on June 28th. It is five stars with the subject line that reads, More. They go on to say, Amazing podcasts. I watched everyone in three days. I work a lot and need more episodes, please. Well, you know what? I'm proud of you, 216Bev. I'm proud of you for listening to them at work. If you need more, we always have Patreon, 16 cents a day, $5 a month, gets you access to our entire Patreon library, which is a lot of episodes right now. I mean, how many episodes do we have? It's a lot. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It gets you access to 12 additional episodes, and all of them are over an hour long, some two hours long. So you got a good 12-hour work day and more of content there for you. Shoot, it'll be 13 if you had today's. Yeah. Boom. So I love you. Proud of you. Thank you for the review. Thank you for the love. Sending it right back to you. Much love. Thank you very much. All right. So that's the end of ratings and reviews. Now we're going to move to shout-outs real quick. All right. So my first shout-out this week goes to Jordan C. and his friend Kurt. Jordan wrote me on Instagram, wanted a shout out for him and his friends. So there you go. I love you both. Thank you for all your love and support for everything. You're amazing. Another shout out I want to give is to Martin Doherty and his girlfriend, Daniela. I wrote us a message on Instagram, said that we were his and his girlfriend's favorite podcast. Really appreciate that. Um, and this last shout out I want to give real quick is to Lizzie B. I asked on our Patreon exclusive Discord server. If anybody could give me a tarot card reading, and she offered to give me one, and uh, boy, did she give it to me. It was an excellent reading. 
I can't thank her enough for that. I loved it. I love her. And I really do appreciate it. It means a lot. Besides that, I want to shout everybody out on Instagram. Thank you for your love. If you want to see a a hairless cat, uh, join over on Instagram. That's where I post pictures of my hairless cat. Call him. I love you all. (laughs) So let's see. I am going to shout out Jeb and TR. So TR is Jeb's dad. And he got him hooked. He being Jeb, got him hooked on the show. So it was uh, Lake City Quiet Pills that got got him going. So I just wanted to shout you guys out. Appreciate you. I'm writing in. I love you. You're amazing. Good vibes. Uh, the next one I want to shout out is James Savage from Twitter. He tagged us in a post. So somebody posted about pyramids. And then they wrote underneath asking about if they've seen the Coast to Coast with Art Bell. And... There's an interview about all the pyramids around the world, and then goes to say, does anyone remember the night of his show? Somebody called in and said he was a time traveler. He was frantic on the phone and said he didn't have a lot of time because they were triangulating him. He started to tell his story, and the whole AM dial went static. Well, James Savage, because he's a fucking savage, tagged us in that post and was like, these guys do a good podcast on this and more. So I wanted to shout him out for doing that. Love that you're um, spreading the love of the show out to others and that you appreciated that episode. We got a suggestion from Derek H. on Twitter saying, I was thinking a podcast on the Golden Gate Bridge would be interesting. Considering it's the number one bridge in America that people go to jump off and commit suicide. However, it's also used as a beautiful symbol as seen in Full House for years. That is interesting. I'm sure we can do a little research into that and see what kind of paths it takes. Um, let's see. Larry Bird, not the basketball player that we talked, we were talking about last week, wrote back to us saying that he had just heard our shout out today and it warmed his heart knowing that he made our day or my day. You all made mine too. Smiley face. I feel a little bad because Daniel's son and Aaron got all excited thinking I'm the real Larry. Sorry, fellas. Love you all and stay safe. Damn. <laughs> and Adrian, appreciated a lot. You um, sending just something like, hey, Anna, may your chakras align for the weekend. Like, what a great thing to, to, for me to hear as an energy person. Like, I love that. That definitely hit me in a good spot, Adrian. Adrian, thank you so much. Bren Lee talked about the two-finger point of Disney. She was like, so speaking of the double finger point, check out this shot from Duel Lipa's music video, Physical. Literally just noticed it as I had music playing while working out. And it's just two fingers pointing out. Oh, Casey. Hey, hey. So she says, there's a lot of dicks who are mean to Anna. I love you, girl. You make the podcast awesome. There will always be haters. And then says, one day I will motorboat Anna's boobies too. Don't tell my wife. Lesbians could get crazy. <laughs> uh, Ooh, you know, I'll squeeze these little itty bitty titties together for you, Casey. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen me post on Twitter about all of a sudden horses have mustaches now. Uh, Mandela effect. And so she wrote in, I've loved horses since I was a kid and never has there been ever been a horse with a mustache. I heard about this maybe a month ago. 
So, you guys, write in. Tell me how many of you truly have always known horses to have mustaches. I want to see if there's a generational thing, you know, age group or what, but it's just super strange. The Mel Holes episode, Alex, he tagged us in someone's post that talked about Mel's hole and said the podcast by TOT3K is pretty dope. So appreciate that love. Oh, so I apologize if I haven't gotten back to you on emails. It's just been really hectic lately with me moving, but I'll get back on that. Uh, but I did get to talking to Stephanie. Uh, she emailed me some stuff about Virginia McMartin that I forwarded to you guys. And it was super interesting about uh, how Mrs. Doubt, or, yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire looks extremely similar to Virginia McMartin and how it might have been casted that way um, and handwritten notes from, from Michael Jackson where he was threatened for, for his life. Really good stuff that I'm super excited to really have some time to go dig into. So thank you, Stephanie, for that. I appreciate it. Um, I think that that is all. Well, I guess I want to shout out the people we talked to last night during the UFC fight. Like That was really fun conversation with everybody. You guys really made everything seem normal and fun and like we had already been friends for a long time. Like it was really, really awesome. So I hope that we could do that more. And I love each and every one of you. Yep. Me and Aaron last night, we were watching the fights in the little boardroom on Discord. And, you know, we were talking in the UFC channel with everyone. And we're just like, you know what? I think, uh, was it, uh, kneecaps that suggested it as well, Aaron? That, we should have a voice chat channel for it. So we're just like, shoot, why not? So all three of us were in the UFC channel with a bunch of others, a bunch of other third kinders, and we were discussing the fights, pretty much talking about random shit, having a blast. Yeah. So that's another reason to join our Patreon. You get to talk to us. Yep. For only 16 cents a day. I mean, come on, you guys. That's a hell of a deal. It is a hell of a deal. See, for shout outs for Facebook, you know, we got Justin. You know, he talked about the Philadelphia experiment and asked about us remaking the Bohemian Grove episode. They're Patreon subscribers. So, you know, of course, we're definitely doing, we're going to be redoing the Bohemian Grove. The Philadelphia experiment, I'd love to get into that one. That'd be a full episode as well. Cause that involves, you know, it kind of involved the Montauk chair and everything. Cause that's how I originally found it. So I'd definitely love to do a episode on that. So that'd be in the future as well. Then we'll uh, have a Stacy Hoffman. You know, talk to her on Facebook a little. Then, of course, Benji sending me some awesome stuff. He said, uh, have to say the last four episodes have been fired. You guys are rocking it. Looking forward to next week's episode. Keep up the fantastic work, the three of you. You know, definitely appreciate that. Then, uh, Jake Farm, bro, I have not forgotten about you. I hit you up on Discord. I'm waiting for a response. Miss you, buddy. It's been like it's been forever. Then, uh, we got Rafael Juarez. I think I said that right. It's like, hey, been listening to podcasts since like episode four. Can't recall when you came on the show, but honestly, I can't with you. Three skulls. These past few episodes, y'all have been on it. On is getting better too. So yeah, you know, definitely appreciate that. Yeah. I'm still still trying to think if that was a good compliment to me or not. I'm hoping it is. If not, I take it. Either way, glad you're still listening. But yeah, just you know, I try to reply back to everyone on Facebook as fast as I can, as much as I can. So keep the messages coming. Nice. 
Well, I was just thinking, I need to shout out my man Slickers. I talk to him all the time, and I just, I think I've officially given him a shout out. So, cheers, my friend. I hope you're having a great morning listening to this. Well, no, it'd be your afternoon. I love you, man. You're always great to talk to. Look forward to hearing back from you. Pondorian, my friend. Good talking to you. White Rabbit, your game setup is legit. I love that you are buying shirts to put in your game room as like a display. That's so cool. Appreciate the conversation, man. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Anna, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone.